time to put my glasses on. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Sorry to give you enough of a warning. I'm not kidding. Some days my eyes are worse than others, and today's been a bad... Like, I knew when I was driving here, I'm like, oh, I hope I have my readers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 57 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Greetings. Greetings. This is a holiday edition. Probably yeah, because we won't. Kind of, yeah. Well, we we won't do one probably before the new year. Oh, for sure. Yep. So, okay. <laughs> I I gave Tess the option. Do you want to know some thoughts that I have before we get started, or should I just throw them out? And she said, throw them out. Yeah. So, two I a couple things. Did your family send a Christmas letter? Yes. Mm-hmm. When was the last time your family sent a Christmas letter? Last year. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Through email or actually in the mail? In the mail. Oh, I love your mom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so your mom is not going to part with that? I, um, oh, so the a family, I think actually the last one with our pictures on it was two years ago because she handmade all the cards that she sent in the mail last year and again this year. But there is a letter. Like the annual Christmas letter that's an update of what's going on with the kids? There were sometimes the actual letter, uh, and it was up to me to write it. Oh, really? Yes. Boy, I'm so glad I chose this. <laughs> so I believe that we have lost the art of the Christmas letter. Oh, absolutely. And my Aunt Meg writes one every year, yeah. and it is beautiful, and it's something I look forward to. And I'm trying to remember, I think it was Gigi that used to do a poem, but I don't know if she did it last year. Um, so... Ode to the Christmas letter. Okay. What I would really like for people to think about is why don't you write one anymore? And it reminded me of a great story where I remember my friend Kirk, and this is when um, Mike, Lauren, and Sean's dad and I were newly married. And I put together, I mean, I always did a great Christmas letter, a really good Christmas letter. Of course. And Kirk sent an email to me and said, when is the real Christmas letter coming? And I said, sorry. And he said, the one that says the actual crap that's going on. He said, your oh. Christmas letters are full of fluff. I want the real one. And I've never forgotten that. So I'm thinking about for my personal blog, writing a real Christmas letter Yep. that goes okay. out somewhere around the holidays. I also thought about this because um, I try to grant people special permission every year, one day of year of the year. Um, have you heard of the movie Purge? The really scary one? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, mean, so I mean, I've heard of it. On I the same note, it. I believe okay. that there should be one day oh, gosh. <laughs> every year where people can say whatever they want on social media. Meaning, what? your passive-aggressive post is really ridiculous. Or, what's up, Karen? I don't understand about your Christmas letter. <laughs> like there, And I grant this gift to all of my friends on my birthday, January 21st. I say it is open season, social media, say what you want. Say, Allie, you should have used a filter with that picture. Or, oh my goodness, you've aged this year. It is open season to do whatever you want. So... I'm thinking about a Christmas letter, a real Christmas letter, that also kind of ties into the one time per year you should be able to say all the truths. Okay. Open season. Okay. On that note, (laughs) along with that, I follow um, Maria Andrew on social media. Oh, yep. um, On Instagram particularly. Uh, By Maria Andrew is where you can find her. And today she posted about a look back at the past decade. So she went to each year and named the accessory, the moment, the question. So for example, in 2010, the accessory was a mason jar. The moment was everyone's first Instagram post was the unremarkable mug of coffee with the Nashville filter. And the question was, (laughs) did, did he see my misconnection? Okay, 2011, the accessory was an ampersand. ampersand. Mm-hmm. The moment was, gotta have my bowl rhymed with gotta have cereal. The question was, what does one wear to a barn wedding? <laughs> and she has one for every single year for the oh past gosh. decade. That's good. Also, I think that is lovely. So, the accessory, then I started thinking about, okay, we chatted a little bit about decade, and I started thinking mm-hmm. a little bit back about decade reflection. And then I read, my simple abundance this morning. So hashtag connectedness all over this thing. (laughs) 
Here's a quote um, that was in a 1931 publication from Kathleen Norris. Okay. This is mentioned in my Simple Abundance daily reading from Sarah Van Brethnock. We simply cannot move into Act 2 until we have several decades under our belt. Mm. Hopefully, we're wiser, more experienced, self-confident, courageous, and canny. Suddenly, there is more depth, more breadth to the scripts that we create. In middle age, we're apt to reach the horrifying conclusion that all sorrow, pain, passionate regret and loss, all those things, including bitterment, is self-made. That's a 1931 quote from Kathleen Norris. Kathleen Norris. And then the add-on quote was, for years I wanted to be older, and now I am. So in reflecting on the decade, I started thinking about if I was to name the most significant moments of the past decade, they would all be moments of brave. Doing things I never imagined I could do. Mm -hmm. Some were hard, like divorce and moving on my own. Some were incredibly inspiring, like being in my career purpose. Some were soul lifting, like trips and concerts and exploring. Some were bittersweet, like watching my kids graduate and become their own separate selves. But almost all shining moments of the last 10 years required me to step out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and to learn a new path, to step into light and sometimes dark that I didn't know existed. And knowing that makes 2020 and age 45 and the next decade seem like a new exciting adventure. I'm going to cry. All of that happened this morning in my 10-minute morning ritual. Mm. And I thought, okay sometimes I think we're looking for these moments like a full day of oh all of the Mm -hmm. things that I should know are appearing to me and I've had a day of flow and a day of recognition and a day of learning that is not always how it works and definitely not reality and when we set up ourselves for expectations in that way they will be let down right right So I love the idea of you talking about morning ritual. And it's been something that, you know, last episode I talked about the book that I just finished, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so my friends and I are doing this for kind of a book club, accountability Mm -hmm. club. And, um, you know, one of my friends, Alex, she talked about how the book has really encouraged her to have slow starts and slow endings to the day. So if it's enjoying a cup of coffee in the morning, if it's as simple as that. Not while you're getting ready, not while you're making your bed, not while you're making breakfast, but just sitting and enjoying a cup of coffee. And then at the end of the day, reading a book or journaling, cutting off screen time early, like those mm-hmm. types of moments. And I was reminded too recently, I've been, I was sorting through some, you know, getting ready for my trip to London. I'm so excited. And I was um, kind of rifling through some old bags that I, um, was kind of cleaning out and I found a card that I got in college um, with a daily examine on it. And um, you're looking at me with a confused face. So it's a Ignatian spiritual practice. Daily examine. Um, the daily examine is what it's called. Okay. And it essentially is a practice to do at the end of every single day. And the full examine can take up to an hour. Um, but there's a shortened version that you can do in five to ten minutes Mm -hmm. right before the end of the day and I used to do this all the time and I just love again my connectedness strength spot it um how this card I found it when I was cleaning out this bag and was reminded and I was like oh goodness I should do that more often as a slow end to my day when I think about slow starts slow endings Mm -hmm. um and it is you you go back essentially you start at the beginning of the day and you walk yourself back through the day And then you look for moments of consolation and desolation. So from a faith perspective, movements towards God and movements away from God. Mm -hmm. um, And then kind of end in a prayer. It's just kind of a simple reflecting back through the day. Um, And it reminded me, you know, I've been encouraged to do, um, you know, some of my own reflection recently, just in some of my own personal development work. And I... um, you know, heard the phrase, and I don't even know if I know who said it. Um, you might know. Um, it is an unreflected life is not worth living. An mm. unexamined life is not worth living. Oh, it is I someone famous. Is. Is, it, is it Einstein? I'm going to look it up because. Um, and, and Tess, think about that. I'd love to know from our listeners how many of us reflect back on our day. And here's why that's important. We lose sight of all the things that we're doing and being yeah. because we're rushing on to the next thing. 
Hmm. Who said it's, it? It's uh, Socrates. I was way off. <laughs> I said it's Einstein. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Socrates. In, um, well, there are similarities. Uh, yeah, not even. You know, he said the unexamined life is not worth living. Not at all. Oh my gosh. My poor context brain. Um, I'll beat myself up forever for attributing <laughs> that to Einstein. But, but I think it's so true. I know we've talked on the podcast in former episodes about our own rituals and how mm-hmm. rhythm and ritual are really important. Um, I had to laugh one of the, you know, generational things. I got a new phone this year and it has like a charging, you can set it on a charging pad. Yes. And I had to wake up to get to an appointment across town at 7 a.m. this morning. So I woke up earlier than I needed to because normally I leave the house at like 7.30, but I had to leave at 6.30. Well, my battery only charged to 75% because it has intuitive charging to optimize battery life. So it will space out your charging throughout the night based on its analytics of when you wake up. Like it it tracks your normal rhythms. So then it optimizes battery life. So it was only at like 75% when I woke up this morning because it doesn't want to charge it past 80% until right before you need to pick it up to optimize the total battery life so it doesn't wear out the battery. And I was like, how scary is that? But even our technology is intuitive of the need for rhythms in our life. That we are creatures of habit and there is importance in doing and having moments of rhythm. But I think that your reflection is important too, that it's important to have moments where we push ourselves outside of our comfort zones. And oftentimes with rhythm comes comfort, Mm -hmm. but also with rhythm comes solace. Mm -hmm. Um, With rhythm comes gratitude. Um, So there are, there's, I think it's a fine line between finding really healthy rhythms and becoming complacent with our rhythms. Well, and rest and rhythm. So there, for me, there's also a rhythm to stepping outside my zone. When yeah. I haven't done that for a while, yeah. I feel a pull that that kind of naturally prompts me to do that, which yeah. I'm very grateful for. Um, when I was looking back on the decade, I started thinking, okay, it's kind of my natural mindset to expect things to not be easy. Hmm. I, I have not had really a whole long series of, I, I can't reflect on a decade that didn't have some struggle. So I kind of am, I think, by nature, preemptively resilient because I'm expecting maybe something could not go the way it's planned. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. not giving myself enough rest and reflection time screws up all the rhythms. Hmm. And we have, as we talked about in the last episode, we have become so chaotically rushed also shocked at how many people responded to our last Emily. Emily. Lots. Shocked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some, and I'm just going to say this for all you listeners. I never, I cannot figure out what it is. Because sometimes... We don't get anything. We get nothing. Zero. And then, and, and I think it's maybe one of our best episodes. I'm like, that was so good. That was so good. And we were, were so wise. Right. <laughs> Listen to our wisdom. And there'll be nothing. It's kind of like mentoring. It's like when I say the most wonderful things, I think the most... It's nothing. It's nothing. He was like, what would you say? (laughs) (laughs) So I think same thing with this. I'm in awe that when when people do respond, but I felt like there was a true connection to... The reality of what's going on. Oh. And the rush and the people wanting to participate in stopping the chaos. Yeah. So I was chatting with... um, someone that I do some coaching with and she said this is her first year ever where she's been able to enjoy the holidays. She's, she took a sabbatical from work and she has three little kids and it's her first year. She said, I can honestly say that I'm enjoying this. And I pondered, okay, how many people I said to her, like never before, like, can you think back in a time where you like, she said prior, like as an adult, she said, no, Not like this. So then I thought, why do we do this to ourselves? I know. And then my my wish for everyone on the planet is that they have one season or one holiday or one month or something that they feel like they can truly be present in. At least one time in their life. Yeah. At least once. Mm -hmm. And then I've started, as I was listening back to our episode, which is why we have the cat towel with us again, 
I was listening back to our episode last night as I was driving back from Beatrice for my um, my nieces in um, what's called delegation, which is the junior high vocal that you have to try out for. Okay. And um, after watching her performance, I was driving back from Beatrice and I was listening to the last Jen and Millie and I was thinking about how much we all can relate to the busyness. Mm-hmm. That that is that's truly epically sad. Yeah. Overall, sad. Like that we we talked about glorification of busy and that kind of thing. But then when I started this morning pondering, the significant moments of my past decade are not like oh I got this done I got this done I got this done yeah right. It, it's more in the actual my being. Not my doing, but my being. Yeah. My last decade has stretched my being. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of us should be granted the time to enjoy yeah. the holiday season, to get out of the chaos, consumerism, mm-hmm. craziness, to, to gift to ourselves whatever it is that we determine that we need. Yeah. So rest and rhythm is... Mm-hmm. A delicate balance. I'm having a hard time getting back to exercise right now because I had gotten injured and I would taken some time off. I love that morning time, but I really love morning time reflection. Like I love so many things in the morning, I don't know how to balance them all out. <laughs> I mean, I already wake up at like 4.35 o'clock. Oh my o'clock. gosh, stop. So, <laughs> but I want to be able to see the sun sunrise. And I want to be able to reflect from my one and a half chair. In the sunrise, but I also want to be running during the sunrise. And I also want to be doing all these other things, which you can't do at all. Nope. And and not I and for some of us we can't do any of that in the morning. <laughs> but just to be able to step back and say, okay, look at your decade. Yeah. And also say you can't do it all. Yeah. So what would you like to choose to do more of in the decade ahead? That's good. And for me, it's to really see this as a new exciting adventure that's full of choices. Yeah. Tons of them. Yes. So back to Christmas letter. When I thought about the old Christmas letters, it was all accomplishment related. The kids Absolutely. did this. The kids did this. We went here. We did this. Yeah. And I am sure people just wanted to gag when they read my Christmas letter. Mm-hmm. I, I, feel free, listeners, who <laughs> got the old Allison, was Allison Edgecombe then? The Allison Edgecombe um Christmas letters. Yeah. Feel free to tell me if you did gag, because I bet some of people, some people did. Would you have copies? Would your input have oh saved gosh, any copies? Maybe. Probably. Yikes. You should find them. No I would thanks. love to read them. Uh, you know what? Yes, please. I'm gonna bow out. Of <laughs> <laughs> I still in search. Of, I haven't searched for my MySpace page yet. So, okay. but I'm going to. So, if I find my MySpace page, okay, I expect at enough. least one year's Christmas letter in return. <laughs> I know, but I I thought about even the mention of um, Lauren was talking about her dad's great aunt. And I could tell Lauren what um, Bud and Jean's email, uh, mailing address was because I sent them a Christmas letter yeah. every year. Oh, my goodness. And I could recite that. I can remember people's mailing addresses. Which is insane. And do you know how few Christmas cards that I get? Very few. Oh, yeah. Very few. Hmm. So, um, wow. what's happened to that? Hmm. We've become busy, I think. I honestly think I was, as we were talking, we talked a little bit about how sometimes we don't get many, oftentimes we don't get many responses to Mm -hmm. our episodes. I think it's a symptom of the culture of hurry, as well as something like pausing to write a letter, to craft a letter. I, the only things I really get in the mail are bills and advertisements and People wanting me to buy stuff, except for every holiday I get a card from my mother, (laughs) which I love. But very seldom do we take the time to do something small and intentional because it takes time to carve it out, right? It takes us disconnecting and getting off of our phone. It takes, you know, physically picking up a pen or pencil. It takes having stamps, available or knowing how to buy stamps or where to buy stamps or even to comment on (laughs) something that you enjoyed listening to yeah or taking the time to send the text that said Allie I listened to the last Jen and Millie and I loved it I mean we don't even take the time to do 
yeah, that. to do that. I know. I mean, I have in my head, I got a, um, you know, a cookie, a tray of cookies from my landlord. He dropped them off at my apartment door. And then I got a thank you note from my teammates building coordinator. And I want to, like, I have it in my head to send them emails of thank you for those treats. But I haven't yet because I just have not paused and done it. Isn't that so crazy? So I recently reached out, and I had mentioned I was going to do this when we were in Crete. So Doc Dudley was a very strong influence as mm-hmm. a, a professor in my um, in my teaching life. Yeah. And so I reached out. I just finished the email just now. I've been working on the email for that long since we've been in Crete. A month Crete and a half, two months? Because yep. I wanted to say it really well, but I also just kept kind of putting it off. Like, I got to do these other yeah. things. I got to do these other things. And I just finished it. And I cannot believe how the words came to me to say what I really had been meaning to say for a long time, but didn't get, I mean, and maybe, and maybe Doc knows this, um, but I simply said, and you've heard me talk about, you know, professors and teachers, Mm -hmm. but I simply said, um, thank you for seeing me for my gifts and talents, even at the times that I was displaying my worst. You helped me stay in school when I wanted to quit. You reminded me that I was a natural teacher and a relationship builder, something I now do every day in my role with teammates, but also as a leader, as a parent, a friend, a sibling. You saw me for my gifts, my strengths, and my talents, and I'm forever grateful for that. Mm. And I I cannot even imagine my life had Doc not mm-hmm. lifted me up in that way. Yeah, It wasn't every day. It wasn't for years and years and years. But it was him in his best talent mm-hmm. naming my best talent and really investing in me. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I also reached out to a former, my first job, the, the job that I had at the insurance office. Mm-hmm. I reached out to Mark, who's the son, and I said, Mark, you know, where's your dad? I'd like to reach out to Lauren. And he gave me his phone number and his address and his email. And I've started, and I haven't sent it yet, but I started crafting the email to say, you know, Lauren, I don't know if you knew this, but you were my second option as an internship Mm because I couldn't make it at DHS. I didn't make it past the first week. I went back to the career counselor and I said, Minna, I can't do this. I hate this job. I'm crying all the time at work. I don't want to do this. And she said, well, I don't know. (laughs) The only option we have is this insurance office. And how much I loved that Hmm. and how much it helped me now name, you know, my input communication, strategic woo and empathy. I use that every day when I was in the front part of the insurance office and how much that's affected me and the ripple effect of that in my full life. And I know we've heard um, Coach Osborne's story, the Curran story, um, Mm -hmm. where really it was a mentor to his grandfather that had such a strong effect on Tom. Yeah. But also Tom's children, yeah. Tom's grandchildren, Tom's legacy within teammates. That I don't know that people ever can possibly understand the gift that they give when they see other people for their worth and their talent and their potential. The match mm-hmm. support email that went out, Yeah. when people respond to me and say thank you mm-hmm. for that, I mean, I'm just over the moon. Um, but Tom responded to that. Hmm. And... I, I'm thinking, okay, he's got a few things going on. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a few things to do. But just that he took the time to say, you know, yeah. he, he sees me, that means yeah. a lot to me. But also all of the all of the people that I work with, mm-hmm. all of the people that are program coordinators and our building coordinators and our board members and our parents and our mentors and the mentees. Like when I look at training evals, mm-hmm. I'm over the moon excited when somebody says, this is incredible. And I think it's inspired me beyond this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can only hope for that. Yeah. But I also recognize that that's, those are my values. Mm-hmm. Listening to you do 201. Um, so Tess is teaching a second level strengths learning. I, I love hearing you and your purpose. <laughs> you know that. I'm not going to get all mom teary-eyed about it. It's okay, you but can. But really to hear you <laughs> as Professor Tess is incredible. You just, you really have a gift. But then to hear how people are articulating back your teaching, 
oh. Mm-hmm. So yesterday when Terry was talking about, you know, now I'm coming to understand that because of my belief, I know that this is me, but not necessarily how everybody else thinks. I'm like, oh. So mm-hmm. when we give our best self to others mm-hmm. and other people turn around and are feel empowered by the fact that we saw something in them. Yeah. And then great ripple effects happen. So I think back to when you came on as an intern. Mm-hmm. And now you're leading a 201 strengths yeah, course. Yeah, you can believe that. <laughs> yes, I can believe that. I absolutely can believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's happened in a decade, less than a decade. You know, that's happened in my decade. Five years. Yep. In my decade, when I'm looking at these things that I've accomplished, I'm also thinking I've created ripples. And that is all that ever matters to me. Right? Like, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be teaching that if you weren't a doc to me. I don't know about that. No, totally. You called it out and you advocated for me to go get my education and my certification from Gallup in this. But it's it's just, I saw it. Exactly. I saw it. And I was like, okay. I think full circle, which is the whole point. It takes us to have a sense of unhurry. To be able to be present enough to recognize and to call out the best in other people. Yes. Because a symptom, you know, really, I think it's a spurious relationship where it's, you know, we might not reply to an email. We might not write a Christmas letter. It goes all the way back to hurry. But the thing in between is when we live in a state of hurry, it's called the chaos of the mind, as one of my favorite theologians calls it. Mm -hmm. Because we're not just hurried in what we do, but it makes our whole self, like our soul just hurried, right? Like every time I pause all that I think about is that email I haven't sent and that I have to get laundry done and oh I got to make sure I pack this when I go home for the holidays like all of these things that pop up instead of like being able to just sit in the stillness right and sit in the present moment and the more we are hurried the more we spend our state of life in hurry the more chaotic our mind tends to get Mm -hmm. so that people have a hard time being present and practicing being present because when you pause the first time you have to pause for a really long time to calm your mind mm-hmm. enough to recognize the present moment. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable for people. I know practicing meditation, it, it, when I first started, yeah. I'm like, wait, how long has it been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm just doing yeah. 10 minutes. Yep. And I'm, I was looking at my timer after two minutes, because yeah, I thought I'd been sitting there for 10. Oh, it has to be 20 minutes, yeah. Uh-huh. Or practicing the pause before I react Yes, is also really important to me. So mm-hmm. um, I had a physical um, yesterday, and um, Dr. Quinn, who I love very, very much, she she's like, okay, what's going on? And I said, okay, here's the tracking of my migraines, and um, here's I'm having all these other things happening. And I'm telling her about it, and she said, have you had any stress this year? And I said, oh, well, how much time you got? But she's, I said to her, I can step back and recognize the physiological effects of stress on my body. I am not immune to, I do not doubt that. Yeah. I know it. Mm-hmm. I know it. I also understand that I am very, as a person, emotionally driven. Hmm. So... My emotional state of mind is directly tied to my well-being, period. Has always been, will always Mm be. Five-year-old Allison, her physical well-being was directly tied to her emotional well-being, which Mm -hmm. is all around Gallup's research. But I'm talking like a direct, like there's not not a circle. There's not a circle. There's a direct line. And when other people's emotions are in my boundaries or in Mm -hmm. my bubble or in my circle, I absorb their energy. Yep. And it will affect me physically and emotionally. I can feel other people's energy. Mm-hmm. I can feel it when I walk into a room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Or a space. Or mm-hmm. when I sense something's happening. I mean, I feel it. Mm-hmm. I feel it so much that you'll even see me physically sit towards the back. Um. And recently, I watched a situation where, like, low level of engagement sped up to high level of engagement. I was witnessing this. I mean, it almost looked like a manic episode in someone. So it was, like, really low level of engagement, 
to all of a sudden like super high speed kind of engagement. And I Mm -hmm. immediately went, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And my whole physical self felt it. Yeah. And five-year-old me had that too. Mm-hmm. Like I could sense in the classroom. I could sense at CCD. I could sense with my grandparents. I could just sense when something was going on that I wasn't maybe informed about, but I could just feel. Mm-hmm. And that will affect me physically. Yeah. And I think it's been a long time for me to recognize that. I'm going to be 45, 40 years before I figure that out. Hello. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. 40 years before I could just step back and say, my physical being will be affected by my emotions. Okay. (laughs) Most everyone around me knew that. But for me to be able to acknowledge that kind of ties back to the Christmas letter. Mm -hmm. The real raw, honest one was behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. The portrayed one was what felt like should be demonstrated. I can't do that anymore. But it's It's exhausting. It's the original social media highlight reel. You bet. It totally is. It's it's bringing out only the good things and the highlights, which is why as great as social media is to connect with people, it's so destructive when it comes to your inner world being compared to somebody's external world, somebody's world that they portray to other people. Well, and there's so much of that. Yeah. I mean, with the filters that we have now, we didn't have those back then. I don't think Nashville filter is really still a thing anymore either. (laughs) But it was one. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I mean, she had such great references, but I think um, Tess, it would be fun for us to do a little bit of Maria Andrew. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be an accessory or a moment or a question. Yeah. But she gives these three kind of themes. Yeah. And then what was in that year. Yeah. Um, 2016, you'll like this. The accessory was the Hamilton Playbill. Oh, yeah. The moment was the Moon Juice Founders Food Diary. Hmm. If you follow Goop, you would know about that. Um, the question was, why are so many people on Instagram thinking about pizza? <laughs> 2017's question was, how does one wear clogs? <laughs> so true. <laughs> Um, the question in 2000, okay, so here's 2019, the accessory, a recommendation for an astrologer, the moment, any meme that somehow combines baby Yoda (laughs) with this succession theme song remixed with rise and shine. Oh my gosh. The question is how does one tie a kerchief? (laughs) (laughs) She's really good and really witty. I Um, like her stuff. Yeah. I do like her stuff. Um, but even to think back what we do with social media, the decade yeah. challenge. Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. my friend Cassie, who works at a bank, said, please no one do that. That is, that is cybersecurity kind of, that's a, that's, it's why we shouldn't do the what office character are you. Character are you? Oh. Because you tend to, when they ask you questions, it's social engineering. Oh, absolutely. They're doing that anyway. Right. I know. Well, you know what I always say. If you want to take my identity, go. Yeah, I was like, good luck. <laughs> have a real fun. Have a real fun holiday season with that. Um, but I do, I do think that so much with social media. You're right. the The original Christmas letter was the highlight reel. Yeah, the highlight reel. Social media highlight reel. Have yep. you done your um, 2019 review on on Facebook? No. So it'll, it'll come up as a prompt for you. Oh, okay. This year, it's very minimal. It only gives you like four or five pictures. So I don't I even don't get that. I don't ever post on Facebook. And I don't post photos on Facebook. So I don't know that I would have great content. It takes your tags as well. But mine, I thought, oh, terrible. <laughs> and you can edit it. I'm not this year. <laughs> I think this year, if I look back, it's been a year of a lot of change. Mm-hmm. And I can no longer uh, not be real. Yeah. So much has changed around me. So many questions of what's going on that yeah. I can no longer hide behind a Christmas letter Mm-mm. or a highlight reel. Um, I just have to be really real. And to some degree, that's been quiet. And tapping into what's real is tapping into your being instead of your doing. Yes. Right, very much. Like it's total the practice, totally the practice of vulnerability, um, and being completely honest, which is tapping into who you are, not what you do. Yes. Yeah. 
and that's what you've accomplished that's important i love that Hmm, so good. how about that for throwing you a curveball? That is so fun. I love it. It's also I've... a great lead in to the new year. Yeah. I am very excited about my full focus planner <laughs> for the same things that you just mentioned. Yeah. It is based on the research that shows the hurry yeah. and the doing is accomplishing nothing. Mm-hmm. It just keeps us on a hamster wheel of chaos. Yeah. So I literally have like eight tutorials video tutorials to watch that are part <laughs> of this planner. Use, use it. Oh gosh. Habitual tracker. Mm-hmm. Is it an achievement goal? Is it a spiritual goal? Is it a, oh, you, you I've, will be delighted. I know quite a few people who've used it. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a go. It's only, it's designed quarterly mm-hmm. and I did not sign up for a year. I designed it. I just did one quarter cause I want to give it yeah. And this is a re- this is an investment in me, but this is also a return to a paper planner. But what I like is that it ties in technology. It doesn't say, well, there's you know, everyone must send Allison, you know, permission to write in her calendar. I mean, it's that's not how our world works. Mm-mm. I also am truly fascinated by task management systems currently. Mm-hmm. I think you also know a lot more about task management systems than I do, but I'm learning about Slack and I kind of love it because I think we are an email heavy organization for sure. Very. And there is no reason. So I sent a message to Brenda today in Teams and she said, oh, you use Teams. (laughs) And I said, yes, because I I don't really want to overload. It's not worth an email. Right. Yeah. So what is worth an email? What is worth a face-to-face conversation, as we talked about last time? Mm-hmm. What is worth a text? What is worth... Yeah. I think I have to really get solid on what those things are because I'm mm-hmm. tired of spinning. Yeah. And this has been a year it's of spin. A little bit. So I'm kind of... I feel like I've been on a merry-go-round, and I'm kind of putting my foot out. Yeah. So my foot's doing the... You know when you're a kid, mm-hmm. and you get spun on that... Yeah. Is it a merry-go-round? Yeah. Not a carousel. No. A carousel is like when you ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A merry-go-round is when you get pushed around, okay. you know, yep. you're holding on. And I would put my foot out like, stop, Jeremy, stop pushing this. <laughs> and they just keep going. But I am putting my foot out to say, slow it down. I mm-hmm. want to stop. Yeah. And there has to be something that I can do that helps me to be better boundaried but also to be more cognizant of walking in my beliefs and values, doing what, bringing my best self to my family, to my friends, to my work, and also leading in a way that demonstrates we can do that mm-hmm. and not doing 50 things well, but doing the things that I do really well with intention. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I kind of, yesterday listening to, to you talk about strengths, and to talk about that research around the reader. Hmm. I am a really, really good reader because at an early age, someone noticed that in me and lifted it, it and lifted it and lifted it yep. to where, you know, I, my kids always ask me about my ACT score and I will never tell them I will go to my grave with that information, but I did get a perfect <laughs> score on reading comprehension. Hmm. And when I can read fast and comprehend fast, but that started at such a young age for someone to keep investing in it. Hmm. And I still invest in it. So it's not, I'm a master of this now. I'm still building on my strengths and talents. Yeah, which is what we all need to do, right? The cycle of strengths development is naming, claiming, aiming. Mm -hmm. And it takes... I mean, the full... I don't think it's, it's not a linear pattern. There are times where we need to go back and just go go back to the original definitions and there are times where we need to go back and say oh wait this really is me I mean if you've been listening to the last few episodes you've heard me in the claiming stage of individualization yes which I is haven't, so you know, awesome haven't named and claimed it for myself in a while because I focus and utilize my other strengths so much in my role and so naming and claiming you've heard that here but then also I'm proactively aiming that to the gift giving season um, and you know some recent birthdays and I have a lot of friends and family birthday right around the holidays too so and I think so that brings me joy when I hear you talk about individualization because I saw it in a new way for Alex's birthday yeah that it just all of a sudden once it was illuminated I couldn't unsee it yeah (laughs) yep (laughs) and now I just see it all the time Mm. 
it's same thing with, you know, kind of when someone else names their own strengths, you know, I tend to put, and I I've owned this, I put a category like Mm -hmm. belief is Annette. Mm -hmm. Connectedness is Maury. Mm -hmm. Context is Tess. Competition is Sean. When someone names a strength, another strength that they have in their top five, I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Yes. You have that too. They are a whole, <laughs> a whole person. Um, but just even recognizing that I tend to do mm-hmm. that because my brain wants to go into the label. Yeah. Which is the exact opposite of what strengths is mm-hmm. all about. Absolutely. So practicing that mm-hmm. and stepping back and hearing Terry talk about her belief. Mm-hmm. Hearing you talk about your individualization. Hearing Angie talk about her adaptability, which yeah. is... Beautifully so articulated. Great. Yes. Um, just being able to pause and step back and say, okay, let other people, let other people teach me. Yeah. I love the setup that you have for what that 201 learning is with the theme yeah. um, and assigning those. Yeah. Um, That's um, total adaptation from Gallup. I mean, just give but me it also completely <laughs> honors your individualization. It does, and I'm really excited to to have people share some you know testimonials of what the theme looks like in them because who there's no one better to share about it than people that actually have it right. Like I can give you definitions of all of the 34 themes, but mm-hmm. the people who know them best are the people that live with it day in and day out. And I think that that's been one of the things that we've done well with this podcast, which is also part of my decade celebration. Yeah. We have allowed the voices of those who live in it, whatever yeah. it is, if it's current season of life, generational yeah. perspective, strengths, mm-hmm. um, yeah. we've allowed people to voice that by even mm-hmm. the way that we we send an email out that says, here's some follow-up. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't do that with their podcast. But I want people to feel invited into the conversation so that they'll contribute. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that we heard back from Keith who named Small Business Saturday and shame on me for not thinking of that. I didn't even name that. I know. I don't think either of us did. Shame on both of us. I mean, last year I like started Small Business Saturday in (laughs) Minneapolis and then drove to Omaha and finished it in Omaha because I love Small Business Saturday so much. I know. And so, you know, grateful for Keith for naming that. Grateful for Anna, you know, to talk about how much she loves, you know, why she loves the gift giving season. But just the way that we invite others in to use their voice, the the way that we have invited other generational perspectives, Mm -hmm. um, honors what you're saying. The mm-hmm. best people to teach about something are those that are living in it. Yeah, that have lived experience, right? right? Like although we've been doing lots of research here at the central office with minority mentors, mentors of color, um, because we really want to ensure that we're recruiting a diverse and representative pool of mentors mm-hmm. to serve the students that um, that we get to serve. And, um, you know, and I set up the that we've done a couple focus groups and I've set them both up in that same way saying that we need to hear your lived experience as a mentor of minority Mm -hmm. because you are the ones who know what it's like you know if our marketing and promotional material is representative and you know how your identity you know your intersectional identities affect how you mentor why you became a mentor why you continue to mentor despite obstacles and challenges who you might go to um, you know, if you're having struggle, um, you know, struggles within your mentoring relationship. So all of those things like come out, um, I think in, in people's lived experience like that, there's so much value in allowing people the space to voice that. And I don't think we give it enough credence because, and, you know, I'm like the, you know, pot calling the kettle black here of like we can acquire a lot of knowledge in other forms apart from our lived experience uh, but but oftentimes lived experience is going to be the most real uh, and the most authentic knowledge acquisition that we can have mm-hmm. and I think that lived experience is not something that we ponder enough mm-hmm. so in the decade review you know what's been a lived experience yeah. like really not not a doing yeah. A being experience. Absolutely. That was one of the questions that I had in my head for follow-up for our listeners. Like, where have you, how has your being grown? Not your doing. Like, what, what, what's a way in which your innate being, your inner world has changed and grown this year? What has been a lived experience that you've acquired? Yes. And that's such a great reflection as we wrap up 2019 oh, yeah. and as we think about going into 2020, mm-hmm. um, you have your word of the year. 
I do. Okay, don't You don't have yours. Okay. I'm contemplating. <laughs> My word of the year. Love it. I will. I place that well. Yeah. Um, I am contemplating, but I'm I'm falling heavy on one. Okay. Um, and I think that'll be a great way for us to start the Jen and Millie for 2020 yeah. is sharing our word of the year. That'll be great. Um, yep. Sharing our it. focus. Sharing our focus. It'll be good. I'm really excited to hear yours. I'm excited to share mine with everybody. Um, and I love this idea of really reflecting on how has your being, how has yourself grown? Um, I am a part of a Facebook group that's for another podcast and it's a bunch of listeners that are here in kind of the Omaha Metro that listen to the podcast and somebody posted a, which, you know, initially I loved and it was like, brag about your year. What has been a a point of celebration, something that you are really proud of that you did this year, which is a question we ask all the time. Right? I love that. That's a great and question. I, I do love that question, but all of the comments were about doing. All of them. I lost this much weight, and I went on this trip, and I graduated, and which are all the reporting of that, right, is measurable, is a doing, but how did your education that you graduated from that you want to share, how did that impact who you are? Mm-hmm. How did the weight loss impact who you are? How did there were lots of like, I broke up in an unhealthy relationship. There were lots of like, I left an abusive relationship, whatever. How did that change who you are? Because behind the doing, the accomplishments that we list usually is change in our being. Right. Right? Like I empowered myself to leave I feel more confident in who I am because of the loss like I think the doing part sometimes really sharpens what our core values are yeah so an accomplishment and the and the work and the feeling of that accomplishment can often just laser sharpen where our values lie yeah what I am trying to do this year going into the next I mean going into 2020 is really starting to figure out okay Who are you really, Allison? Separate from Mm. all of these other roles in your life that have been dependent on other people. Mm. So who are you other than a mom to Lauren and Sean? Who are you other than a sister? Who are you other than an adoptee? Who are you? I mean, all of those are parts of me, but who am I really? And I really want to look at what my values are and have those align with the small number of goals that I will have for this That's year. That's good. Not yep. a massive <laughs> amount, and they are very simple. Yep. Because I think 2020 needs to really be the year that I start looking at. Yeah. And who are you really? And what decisions do you need to make in order to honor that? Yeah. So much of my 44 years has been based on the decisions of others. Mm. So much. I mean, I ended up at Doan because my decision to go to Colorado State shifted because of a relationship. Hmm. And then I thought I needed to stay. I mean, all the going back to 18 year old self, going back to five year old self, you know, when my dad passed away, going back, just thinking about decisions that were out of my control or decisions that I didn't think were within my control that I allowed other people to make for me has shaped my entire life. Hmm. And the when I get down to the true decisions I have made for me, they're huge, brave decisions that have completely turned my universe around. Hmm. I love that. And that, I shouldn't just be figuring that out now, but I'm glad I am. Hmm. Really glad that I am. Yeah, I um, love that. 45 is not too late for anything. Nope. In a lot of ways, there's there are new inventors in front of me. Absolutely. Getting really laser sharp clear with who I am as a being, who mm-hmm. I am as a person, is going to define a lot of things. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So, like, there's one, I think, one big reflection and takeaway we'd love to hear from people. Mm-hmm. Share your celebrations of being and doing this year. What have you done? What have you accomplished? What have you checked off your list? But also, how have you grown and changed in the midst of all of it? Lived experience is a great phrase to really think about. Yeah. To contemplate. Um, yeah. I'm excited. We should probably mm-hmm. have crafted a Jen and Millie Christmas letter. <laughs> we should have crafted a Jen and Millie Christmas letter. A real, real authentic Christmas letter. Like we could make it a poem or That's, a rap. Eh, that's all right. 
No, thanks. No, I can thanks. tell when Tess is like, and your idea is terrible. <laughs> okay, moving on quickly. Um, we will be taking a bit of a hiatus. I'll probably delay this actual posting um, for okay. a few days until like maybe early next week, right before Christmas. Perfect. But um, so people might have some extra stuff to tune into with long drives or anything like that. But um, we'll take a little bit of a hiatus um, between the holidays, and I'm so excited for my trip. So you a little be. bit of a. Um, uh, my own selfish reasons as to why um, it's going to be a little delayed for a next episode, but look towards um, middle of January, second or third week of January for our next episode where we will share about our intentions for the year. I also, um, you shared some of your celebrations, but I want us to answer that question too about being and doing. Yeah. Um, because I think even too often when we think about intention for the year, or when we think about what's to come, we my context gets a little hurt because we maybe do pause to have some great reflection, but then we tend to be like, okay, reflection done, let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> and so maybe thinking even further about some ways that we both have been and done things this year, are both our being and our doing. Love it and share that out with the group. We would love if if you um, do have and are able, we would love to hear those celebrations of being and doing from your own life from this past year. And let us know if you'd be okay to share those in our recording. We'd love to be able to actually read out some of those celebrations because uh, like Ali mentioned, we like this to be a space where people are welcomed into it. And I think so often it might be a conversation with both of us and the one person who responds here and the yes. one person who responds here. We want you to know that there's a big community actually of people who listen, which is kind of scary for us. Yes. I think we forget that the people actually listen to this because it's just the two of us recording in a room. But, um, but there's yeah, episode 54 of, was there's, big time fear for me there. Um, I love it. You still know that, right? Yeah, I do. You're at episode 54, but... Um, but, uh, there's lots of people who listen. So, uh, we're a collective community, people who listen to this. So if you'd be willing to share your moments of being and doing what you've accomplished, but also how you've grown as an individual, um, as a person from this past year, uh, share that with us. And we would love to be able to read some of those out on our next episode. Thank you everybody for tuning in to this last episode of 2019, episode number 57 of Jenna Millie. If you enjoyed today's uh, conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share your responses to the question action item we posed in this episode, uh, best way to do that is follow us on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. If you are part of teammates, you also might have our direct emails. If you don't want to post your um, being and doing right on Instagram in a comment or a direct message, feel free to email us as well. We also want to let you know that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Starman and may not directly reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I'm kind of sad. Last episode of the decade. Oh, it's great. It's, it's great. celebration. It is celebration, but you know, the context in me loves to dwell right where we're at <laughs> and celebrate where we've been. The future is sometimes a bit scary. <laughs> anyway, until next time. <laughs>